Guys, welcome to another huge, huge episode of Trigger. Tonight, we're going to be joined by Raheem Kassam. Raheem is a friend of the show and the founder and editor-in-chief of The National Pulse, someone who's doing serious, independent journalism, uh, a true leader in the MAGA America First movement, someone that gets it, someone who got it all the way back in Brexit. Uh, time and time again, his political predictions come true. We're happy to have him back on to tell us what's going on next. Obviously, the last week has been crazy. We'll talk the debates. We'll talk uh, RNC leadership. We'll talk what's going on in Europe and Palestinian riots and all of the insanity. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, he's always got some uh, colorful language. So make sure you guys are liking, sharing, subscribing. Do it right now. I see how many people are watching right there in the corner of my screen. So I want to see the likes go up to at least match that number. Share it. Let your friends know. Don't forget that you can also find these episodes on Spotify uh, and Apple uh, iTunes, I guess, iTunes podcasts after they air here on Rumble. So if you're going to be you know, in the car over the weekend, you want to catch up on some other episodes that you didn't get to catch live, you can also do it there. But before we get to Raheem, I have a quick word from our sponsors who have the guts to support that show. And that means something, guys. So go check out Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. I say it every day. It's a key tenant of the show, guys. We got to support the companies who support us. And I have a feeling you're going to have a cell phone in your pocket one way or the other. So do it with Patriot Mobile, where you're putting America first with every call while getting the same nationwide coverage as the other major carriers. Patriot Mobile provides you dependable wireless service at an affordable price, putting your dollars into action and supporting freedom-loving values. They donate a portion of every dollar to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, the sanctity of life, protecting our brave police and first responders. They fight school board battles. This is someone you want to get behind. It's very easy. You can fund your enemies or you can fund those who are fighting the battles that you want fought. For free activation, it's quick, it's fast, it's easy. Go to patriotmobile.com triggered. Just like the show, folks. PatriotMobile.com slash Triggered. And also check out one of our newest sponsors, Constitution Wealth, the Patriot's Choice in Wealth Management. We talk about the Patriot economy all the time and shopping with businesses who actually support your values. But don't just stop there, guys. Stop investing your retirement funds in woke business. Invest in companies who share your patriotic beliefs. Now more than ever, it's time to align your investments with your values. That means reducing your investments in ESG, DIE, as I like to call it. They call it DEI, but, you know, I think DIE is probably more fitting given where it's going since, you know, people checking off boxes, not based on competence, but based on all sorts of other Democrat metrics, uh, will be making decisions with your retirement. I don't think that works out too well. It means fighting the culture war with your dollars and helping build a parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots like you. At Constitution Wealth, you'll work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values, and you'll be empowered to make financial decisions to protect you and your family without having to sacrifice your beliefs. That's a big deal, folks. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr. That's constitutionwealth.com dot com slash d-o-n-j-r and sign up for a free consultation today do it learn make an intelligent decision 
for yourself and for your family, and that one seems like a no-brainer. So now, joining me, again, our good friend, editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Rahim Kassam. I don't even know if we have to do the Kassam part, Rahim, because I think I'm fairly certain that within the MAGA movement, there is only one Rahim. You are like Prince. There, there, Madonna, there is no, there is no one else. There's no other <laughs> Rahim. Are, are you aware of another Rahim? Nobody has ever compared me to Madonna before, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, no, I'm not aware of any other Rahims in, in the movement. However, you know, the way things are going, the way certain groups of people are changing their votes at the moment, I wouldn't be shocked if there were an influx of Rahims. So I think we have to do the, in, we have to do the Rahim Kassam. Yeah, so, so talk about that a little bit, because, I mean, it, it is interesting. I mean, over the last couple months, uh, you, you've certainly seen, you know, some of that. There are, you know, whether it's, you know, demographics of immigrants that have come to America that are like, wait a minute, the left is, like, people that you wouldn't necessarily would, you wouldn't think would coincide with sort of, I, I don't even want to say, you know, right wing, but just, you know, conservative leaning people, whether they're religious or otherwise, uh, are definitely realizing that, uh, what liberalism has created across the world is sort of a disaster. Yeah, I mean, people are getting slapped in the face multiple times at the moment, extremely hard, uh, whether it's the economic circumstances in the country that are leading a lot of um, Hispanic and black voters, I think, um, to look to the political right, uh, whether it is what is going on overseas and the Biden regime's response to it that is uh, making a lot of especially friends of mine who are uh, liberal uh, Jewish New Yorkers reconsider the life choices they've made over the last 10, 15 years, the, the votes that they have cast uh, over their entire lifetime. So, you know, everything is to play for right now uh, in, in terms of the, the shift in the way that the... Um, you know, general population perceives their political choices. The, the problem is always, uh, as, as I've often said, the fact that the Republican institutions, the Republican Party's institutions, just always seem to stare down the barrel and right down at their own feet and, and, and pull that trigger as often as possible. Yeah, so talk about that a little bit, because you're 100% right. I mean, listen, I, I, I came from, you know, a New York real estate family. You know, every I went to an Ivy League school. I was surrounded by liberals my whole life. Uh, you know, the amount of people I know, you know, from you know what would have been a historically very Democrat voting, you know, New York, you know, Jewish voting block are calling me. Hey, what's the best gun I should buy? Where should I take lessons? And how do I teach my family as well? I mean, I, I'm literally like my phone like is blowing up. That is like the number one request that I have seen. And some of these are people that would vehemently disagree with me on so many other things. Uh, they're watching the institutions of the Ivy League. Uh, where most of them attended and all of them had contributed. And they're saying, where is, where's my money been going that we're, we're creating you know, this seemingly you know, endless sea of anti-Semitism, not just talking about Palestinian existence, but literally uh, you know, the acceptance of Hamas as a legitimate organization, uh, the tolerance for you know, murdering women and children in the street and trying to justify that some way. Uh, that is a tectonic shift. I knew it would only be a few minutes until we gave uh, Mediaite or Salon.com or Media Matters their first headline, and you have just basically professed to be an, being an arms dealer for the Jews of New 
New York. So <laughs> yes, I, 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 I am that. Yes, I, I am. I, you know, I, I got a lot of advice, a lot of experience, but, but, but I'm serious. Like the, the amount of pit, like I've gotten more yep. pictures in the last two weeks from, you know, my friends who are Jews and Democrats on ranges, like on firing lines, uh, than any other picture uh, or, or, you know, article or anything else that's been sent to me. I mean, it's, it's very uh, pervasive. Yeah, and look, I, you know, for my sins, I have to live in Washington, D.C. for the time being. And I have a lot of friends from the neoconservative reporting world. A lot of them are Jewish, and a lot of them have recognized this in recent months as well. Um, the, the, the Democratic Party of America, especially on foreign policy, but not not exclusively on foreign policy, is is once again captive by its most extreme elements. I mean, however, what you say in terms of the Hamas thing, it shouldn't necessarily surprise us because remember, the, one of the first things the Biden regime uh, did when they came in is loosen sanctions on Iran, emboldened Iran, um, started the flow of money back there, started the stupid uh, Iran nuclear deal back up again, and then handed it Afghanistan along with all the equipment there back to the Taliban. So it's yeah. it's it's... It's not like this wasn't foreseeable. Well, yeah, what could possibly go it, wrong, right? Like, we're, we're, we're trading hostage for hostage and $6 billion. Oh, oh, that, you know, right. it, it's the same, right? It's, it, it, that's equal. Five for five plus $6 billion. I mean, what could possibly, can't imagine it. No, no, money's definitely not fungible, Raheem. The money they were using for food is not now going to be allocated for weapons so that we can pretend that this $6 billion isn't being used to turn irrigation pipes into rockets. Like... You know, because the adults are back in charge or something like that, I've been told. No, I was I was of the genuine belief that every single penny of that uh, $6 billion uh, was going to um, masks and catheters and Band-Aids and medicines for all of the people in Iran who really need it. Of course not. You know, of course not. Of course, if you release funds to a regime like that, they are going to use it to, to strengthen their own power. And they strengthen their own power both domestically and they strengthen their own power abroad. But look, the, the, the conversation about this often takes the tone of like, oh, these idiots in the White House or oh, these idiots on Capitol Hill. You have to start to get to a point where you think, actually, this is fully intentional, right? This is, oh, this is 100%. Immigration is intentional. This money is intentional. There is a plan. They don't care if Americans suffer. They understand that this is the way to amass power. The immigration situation is one that, you know, hey, whether they're here legally or otherwise, at the next census, they will be able to take inner cities and people who are purely dependent on government handouts and say, congratulations, we are now going to restructure the way congressional districts are outlined and we're going to have a democrat majority almost without fail that i mean there is no other plausible explanation for this and whether that means hundreds of thousands of americans die from fentanyl or gang-related violence or women and children are being trafficked in the sex trades uh, none of that matters because it's about power the democrats could care less and they're playing a long game Look, what is the one way, the, the surefire way that you can um, force a change in, you know, whether or not illegal migrants can vote or even run for office in the United States of America? What is the one surefire way that you force that change? You bring more of them yeah. and you bring more of them 
you bring more of them. And then at one point you say, well, we can't stop 30% of the population from voting. We can't stop 30% of the population from, from running for office. And, 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 and that's it. It's, at that point, it's gone. Uh, yeah, that's the next step, the moral know, outrage other- of how we would try to prevent an illegal immigrant from voting. I mean, they're already trying that, right? They've been trying that for years. There, right. there are places in America now where they are letting illegals actually vote in local laws, in local, you know, there's only a matter of time till a Democrat-controlled XYZ, House, Senate, eventually Supreme Court, when they stack that and load it. And that's been the game all along. Well, um, it didn't escape our attention this past week when we were looking through your old friend, uh, Judge Engeron's uh, history. And he had, he, when he was inducted into the Supreme Court in 2015, he thanked a bunch of the Democratic groups in New York, as he would. And one of the groups he thanked had actually helped an illegal who committed marriage uh, fraud uh, get elected in New York. And they only found out after she got elected and then she was prosecuted after she got a year and a day in jail for illegally entering the country, illegally running for office, illegally taking office. It's extraordinary. And he was thanking the group that did that. Well, I I would normally have comment on that, but because we live in America in 2023, (laughs) I'm under gag order. So I'm actually (laughs) not not allowed to comment uh, on a trial where I was found guilty of fraud prior to actually uh, hearing uh, from me, uh, you know, that's what I was doing earlier today and testifying again and, you know, endlessly. And uh, but yes, I would I would normally have commentary on that. But because we believe in um, I'm told free speech and all this stuff, I am under gag order to talk about those who, you know, many would say because well, I'm well, not allowed well, to apparently say it. Many would say are politically persecuting myself, my father, my family uh, and also setting a very dangerous precedent. Uh, for corruption and otherwise, because an attorney general in a victimless crime can uh, magically come out and say, well, I don't like that transaction, even though there's no one complaining and everyone made off and everyone got paid back and everyone, you know, on the other side of the transaction, the banks made hundreds of millions of dollars. That's irrelevant. We don't like it. And therefore, you know, you weren't a contributor to my campaign. So we will get you to spend millions in legal fees. We're going to try to fine you hundreds of millions. We're going to try to prevent you from doing business. You know, when someone tells you what they are, Listen to them. Listen to them, because the Democrat Party has shown what they are. You know, they, they like to call us, you know, Nazis and fascists, and yet they're the ones trying to jail their political opposition. They are the ones trying to silence, and in many cases, actually silencing uh, us. They have actually jailed others, and they're trying to, you know, throw my father in jail for a thousand years, which, you know, feels like a long time. <laughs> feels like a long time, even for a young and vibrant man like my father. I heard that. I heard that at the rally in the warm-up speech in uh, Hialeah, and, which I think was very good, by the way. But, but, but I think you can at least tell us, that I, I don't think this is subject to gag order, you can at least tell us, on your way out of the courtroom, did he ask you which gun he should buy to protect his family? <laughs> no, uh, no, he did not. Uh, perhaps, you know, perhaps he's falsely under the guise that it won't happen to them. It'd be nice, again, if you had an attorney general in a state actually focused on crime, actually focused on, you know, crime stats that are going uh, terribly. You know, you pay a lot of money in New York State, one of the highest taxed, uh, you know, cities and states uh, in the country. The roads are garbage, crime's going through the roof, but, you know, this is what they're focusing on. Uh, because, again, none of it matters, and I guess they feel comfortable enough with their base that everyone's a sheep and they're just going to go along and they're going to keep voting them in, and, uh, you know, that power has been left totally unchecked. 
Well, look, I guess I guess you probably don't walk around the streets of Manhattan just openly all that much anymore. I do all the time. I mean, I'm there every maybe two or three weeks. I, I leave DC, I get on the Acela, I go up to Manhattan and I'll spend a week there. You know, I like the food. Um, the restaurant scene is is, is thriving. Um, but, the, but the streets themselves, I mean, anywhere you go in the city now, there is no refuge from... Uh, I mean, I don't even know what they, they call it. They call it uh, people being in that stupor, that ketamine stupor. And they're like walking around the street, shooting to themselves, all of that sort of thing. You've got the gangs are still on the bikes, the quad bikes going up and down uh, Fifth Avenue and Sixth Avenue at night. You know, people outside like fancy restaurants like Bill Bouquet, you know, in Central Park South, all of them, you know, be, being held up for their watches outside the restaurants. And, and you have... Yeah, I, well, I found the funniest thing, by the way, was when they said, now, did you plan to build 1,400 condominiums or, or 2,600 condominiums at this Aberdeen course? And it's like, yeah, because that's what the New York taxpayer is really concerned about, is how many apartments the Trump yeah. organization is building in Aberdeen. Well, and also, yeah, to that, it was like sort of, you know, even the valuation, it's like, well, Trump Durrell, which is 600 acres in Miami with four golf courses and a large hotel. Well, no, but you only can do this number of rounds times, you know, let's call it 350 bucks a round of golf. Therefore, it's worth X. I go, well, what if you take, get rid of one of the golf courses, just one, and build 1,500 condominiums in the hottest real estate market in the world? What is that worth? Uh, okay, ne next, like, let's, let's move on from that because... They're not looking for the truth. They're looking for any little aspect that fills the narrative, and they're not sophisticated enough to understand how it really works. But that doesn't matter. Uh, that doesn't matter right now, and that's what it is. But I do actually have a pro tip for you. If you're going to go to New York, what you should do to be safe, to be safe and fine, you should just drape yourself in a Palestinian flag, and you'll be fine. You'll, you'll be welcome. You can actually do anything, it seems, uh, if you do that. And you'll be safe for him. So that, that's like okay, pro tip camouflage for your next New visit York. to New York. You can just do that. It, it's, uh, it, it's something I've never seen before, but uh, it, it's been going on pretty hard all over the place these last few weeks. One of the funniest things I saw this week was when there was, I think there was a, uh, it was in India, there was a Palestinian protest, but they all accidentally bought Italian flags. <laughs> Did you see this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that it doesn't surprise me. But, but let's let's talk about that a little bit because I know you were actually, you know, frankly, well ahead of the curve on this one. In, in 2017, uh, I think it was 2017, you wrote a book called No Go Zones, literally talking about Sharia law taking over neighborhoods in Europe. Uh, that book, oh, look, let's look at you, consummate consummate salesman. I love it. Uh, but that book, unfortunately. You know, I, I was hoping, you know, certain takes you want to age very poorly. There's a lot of those that happen. But, you know, that book aged very well, considering the recent pro-Hamas protests we've seen in London and Denmark and, you know, violence. And, well, you know, you're from the UK and, you know, we make fun of, hey, if you misgender someone, they'll throw you in jail for two years. But they're calling like for literally death to Jews in the streets. I mean, you know, let's let's just say on the scale of hate far more than me calling someone who in a dreamland thinks that they're a woman but happens to have a beard by accident Mr. So-and-so, right? I mean, it doesn't feel like it's quite the same, and yet no, no penalty is nothing. <laughs> the beard is the least offensive thing that they have in that scenario. Okay. <laughs> it's a solid point. You know, this is this is we have young kids watching, so we won't go into what's probably much more offensive in, uh, in terms of uh, the male anatomy and you know us having to believe 
uh, you know, their fairy tale that, you know, that we must go along and we must bend the knee. And, you know, it's, it's not just binary, male or female. And, you know, it's, you know, which of the 4,762 ever-evolving genders they are. And we must succumb and conform and, uh, you know, or you go to jail. And we've seen that. You've seen videos all over social media. I didn't know that, you know, you show the picture, it's like, that's a dude. Like, it, you know, the dress doesn't make them not a dude and, you know, biology and science be damned. Uh, but, you know, that's a jailable offense. But when what seemed, honestly, seemed like hundreds of thousands of people marching in the street, you know, chanting, you know, death to an entire ethnicity. Uh, again, not just cheering the notion of, you know, let's call it a Palestinian people and their right to exist, but actually the atrocities and justifying the atrocities of Hamas beheading babies and putting them in ovens and, and everything like that. And I'm saying, I don't know, folks, this, uh, we're too far gone. I mean, tell us about the book, tell us what's going on. But I mean, to me, honestly, at this point, it's like, and I grew up, you know, half my time in my summers as a kid, I spent, you know, in uh, Eastern Europe, uh, they've been a little bit better about, you know, preventing some of that insanity. But is Europe over? I mean, is it just, is it lost? Is it fallen? Doesn't seem like there's even a chance. And, you know, everyone's been so, frankly, cucked uh, by politics uh, that even those who would have otherwise stood up in the past are probably too weak to do so. And they're just going to get eaten alive. Well, I often, you know, a theme I think about a lot is if you brought, um, somebody like Benjamin Franklin uh, back to life today, and you took him to modern day Paris, a place where he spent a lot of time um, in his life. Um, he would he would remark upon it that Europe is already dead. It's gone. It's it's nothing like it was. It was. It's nothing like it was supposed to be. Yeah, the streets are still cobbled, and and there's yeah. still a, a, a massive uh, television antenna in the in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the city that everybody goes to take pictures with. Um, but by and large, the the, the culture especially in those major cities has, has totally evaporated and and you know in my country the the you know the uh sunday of after armistice armistice day um is our remembrance sunday and that is a, a period of time when politicians and cultural figures will gather around on whitehall right outside 10 downing street and lay wreaths right lay wreaths of poppy flowers like what grew in the flanders fields um for the for the first and second world war commemorations and, and and all commemorations of all veterans and and instead of this year that passing as a peaceful um you know very solemn occasion um it has been usurped by the pro-palestinian people and they are flying their flags and demonstrating outside downing street on that same day and it is a great big fuck you to England. It's a great big fuck you to the country that took them in. It's a great big fuck you to the country that gave them free housing and free welfare, it taught them English, you know, helped them get jobs, uh, helped them build families, you know, where they weren't getting bombed by accident by by their own missiles like Hamas does to its citizens, right? And and again, you know, like it or, or hate it, and, and I very much hate it, but gives you the freedom uh, to be uh, non-gender or whatever you want to be i'm still waiting for the new york times editorial board to come out with their op-ed that says hamas is transphobic because hamas is transphobic <laughs> no, no, no. I, i'm that. seeing a lot of you know what, what you know gays for palestine and you know, yeah, i'm oh, saying yeah. i'm saying i don't know guys like I, I, how about this how about you go over there and explain to hamas leadership you know i, I think it would be wonderful you may want to avoid 
like buildings above the first floor. It doesn't doesn't seem to work out all that well for gays in Palestine, but you know, minor minor details like this. And yet, is it part of our culture now that we're literally, it's almost like we're cheering on our own demise. I mean, that they can get up there uh, and and say these things and they're for it. And it's, they have no, no bounds to reality. It's, it's lunacy. I mean, they'd literally be murdered like that. It's like chickens for KFC, but you know, what could go wrong? Um, look, with, with, with any luck, no Hamas-controlled building in Gaza City will be over two stories high for them to throw people off anyway, um, you know, in the foreseeable future. So um, maybe they won't have such a problem being, being queers for Palestine or whatever they are. Um, and, and by the way, I'm happy to contribute to, to whatever jet we need to rent to get them over there if they really want to be there so badly. But I, I do want to talk about the book a little bit because that was written in 2017, right? And that came off the back of me when I was uh, running Breitbart's London Bureau. Uh, we would often go out on the streets on a Saturday or Sunday to film these protests going on. And there was one guy, I'll never forget it, I was standing right outside, you know, on the, on the on, if you know London, Parliament Square, the House of Parliament, Downing Street, I was standing right sort of in that middle area. And there was a chap and he had a, a, a toilet roll on a stick that had the Star of David on it. So we took our camera over to him, knowing that we were going to get some insanity, and, and, and I guess, I mean, maybe he looked at me and thought like, oh, I'm in good company here. But he said, oh, you think that's funny? Watch this. And he looked at and he just had a swastika and pictures of, well, a, I think a picture of Adolf Hitler on his undershirt. And it was at that point I started to realize, wow, like we are the only news outlet documenting this sort of thing. We're the only people who are willing to report on this sort of thing. So I approached a publisher in the United States because no publisher in Europe would, would dare uh, publish something like this. And they sent me all around Europe and indeed to neighborhoods in the United States where you're starting to see a, a, you know, an element of Sharia in, in, in place. And in Europe, it's, it's much further gone than an element. Uh, and in the United States, when I wrote that, I talked about Hamtramck, I talked about Dearborn, a lot of these neighborhoods. Now, obviously, Hamtramck has the first majority Muslim city council in America. And of course, their statements on the back of the Hamas terror attack were, were appalling. But I warned back then that this was going to happen. It's, it's, and, and, you know, a testament to this book, uh, CNN had me on to talk about it. Really? MSNBC had me on to talk about it. Nobody Would that happen today? It. No, no. Yeah, because it, it does not. feel like you see the atrocities, you see that, and it's like, well, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk. Uh, you know, there was a child, you know, that, that was killed by an Israeli bomb. They don't talk about the child was used as a human shield. Uh, the the largest uh, and you know high value terror targets are hiding behind them. You I, you know, I think if you're in Israel, you got to take those guys out. Otherwise, you know, you know, they're they're on TV, literally saying. At the first opportunity, we are going to commit another October 7th genocide. I'm like, it doesn't really seem like this is a great place to start a ceasefire negotiation if you're Israel. So it's like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to justify it. But like, you know, it, there there does not seem like there's many options uh, on the table unless you're comfortable allowing thousands of your people to be murdered uh, in cold blood in the streets uh, on random occasions forever. Yeah. And I, look, I, I, I was a naive neoconservative at one point in my life. And I thought, oh, you know, 90% of these people are fine and immigration will work out if we just work on the assimilation question, yeah. all of that. Increasingly, I am coming around to the fact that actually what, the, what most Western countries need 
is is a full-on immigration moratorium, a zero immigration uh, for for five to ten years, and then you can say, okay, well, where do you think that there are you know labor shortages or whatever reason you want to give to do this sort of thing? Uh, but until and unless you have the the complete antithesis of today's um, policy, which is open borders, unless you have fully closed borders, I don't think you can actually make a scientific judgment on the needs of the nation. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And I, I think what you're also seeing to, to the sort of where, where I thought you were going, which is actually different, which is sort of, you know, the, the cultural side of some of this, right? You say, you know, oh, the women, they're innocent. The children. But I'm seeing and watching, you know, some of these videos and there's women watching what's going on. They're celebrating that, you know, a child, you know, who happened to be Jewish or whatever is murdered in the streets. Um, you know, you may not be the person pushing the button to send the missile, but if you're cheering it on at that point, uh, you know, you're, you're cheering on murder and terror and, you know, killing of children. I mean, are you not kind of an enemy combatant at that point? Meaning it's so pervasive in the culture. A four-year-old kid is saying all the, I mean, you see the propaganda taught in the schools and you're saying, how can you ever fix this? And, and I don't know that you can. I, you know, I, I don't know that you can. Have I ever told you about the moment that that you know really I I I just desperately didn't want to be a part of of that faith anymore? You know because I was raised in a Muslim family. Have I ever told you that moment, the pivotal moment for me? No, you haven't. So I was I was at university at the University of Westminster, slap bang in the middle of central London, that the the intersection of Oxford Street and Regent Street, for those who know it, and. These guys, these Somali guys, also Muslims, would come up to me at the end of every seminar and they would say, brother, brother, you need to come to an Islamic society event. If you're really a Muslim, you have to come and hang out with us and pray with us and all of this sort of thing. And, and uh, after about six weeks of this, I thought to myself, oh, you know, I'll just go along and see what they're talking about. Right. Like, let me just go. And that's how the radicalization process begins. It's just they yeah. wear somebody down. They guilt them into something like this. And I remember I was walking into the library where they were holding their event um, and a couple of guys started walking down the stairs towards me and they were like, you don't want to go in there. And I said, well, why not? And they said, uh, well, they're showing videos of 9-11 and they're clapping and they're cheering. And my buddy Richard was walking down the street behind me and he was going to the pub. And immediately, I mean, you want to talk about a literal <laughs> pivotal moment. I turned on my heel. I said, Richard, Richard. He goes, what? I said, I'm coming down the pub. And I like to say I've never left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but and, it, and it's great, you know, and yet, you know, hey, I have business partners in the Middle East. Uh, you know, we have projects in Dubai and otherwise. And you talk to, you know, people who've uh, done great. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing culture. But that radicalized, uh, you know, they've been put in positions financially. You know, the leaders of Hamas are flying around on G5s and, you know, there's five of them and they're worth billions of dollars. But the rest of the people, it doesn't matter. They can starve. They can do this. They're used as cannon fodder, uh, you know, just political pawns. Uh, and yet there doesn't seem to be a way to get them to understand exactly what's going on. It doesn't matter. It's, it's almost, you know, the perfect catch 22 for the leaders in charge to enrich themselves, perpetuate hate, death, murder and mayhem. Uh, with no real solution that, that anyone, the most intelligent person in the world, could actually offer up, other than perhaps, you know, again, in the case of Israel, you know, maybe you have to just wipe out literally all of that leadership, because w without doing that, it's just going to keep coming back. And maybe that's exactly the, you know, the mentality right now, which is like, hey, at this point, you know, it's Israel, it's the world in which we live today, big tech, media, whatever. 
you've lost the PR battle already. Even if you're not wrong, it doesn't matter. You've lost the PR battle already. If you're going to lose the PR battle, at least win the war. And maybe that's what they have to do. What do you think? Look, that, that, that's what I that's what I said in the immediate aftermath of the, the terror attacks. I said, you know, the, the, a response is fundamentally unserious unless you're talking about um, the Hamas leadership in Qatar. You know, that that should be the first thing that gets dealt with. Uh, everything else, I think, is is you know, either uh, comes from you know the emotional reaction, like yeah, yes, like we experienced that in the West. You experienced it during 9/11, after 9/11. We experienced it after the 7/7 bombings in London. Um, in 2005 is that yes you want you want you know they shed our blood we want to shed their blood too but at the same time like if you want this to stop happening in the future you have to be strategic and and, and clever about it and not necessarily just sending troops in to die into into what is effectively you know one of the one of the shittiest places on planet earth right gaza is a place that has been run into the ground by hamas who refuse to have elections uh you know since they came into power and and as if, as if it's anybody else's fault except them. But yeah. but as much as I care about you know getting rid of evil in the world in that sense, I I have to say, I think a lot of the conversation that is taking place right now is we're, we're falling into traps, right? Yeah. We're, instead of thinking about the homeland, instead of thinking about what's going on here, instead of thinking about protecting uh, the U.S., the U.S. border, you, you know, U, U.S. communities, we should talk about the debate, but. Um, the first 40 minutes, all of them were just trying to out neoconservative one another. Yeah. It's, oh, you know, uh, we should give endless checks here and there. We should fight all these wars any way you want. Um, and, and they all went for it, right? They all went for it in, in a big way. It was, it was depressing. It yeah. was so depressing. No, that, that urge for war still, you know, and, and I get, I've done this survey a bunch of times. I did it at the rally last week in Hialeah. You know, there's, what, 15,000 people there at, like, you know, show of hands, is Ukraine, in this case, you know, is it a top 10 issue? I go a little bit longer than that, I drag it out, and I've done this now 20 times, probably in front of 30,000 people total. One person raised their hand once that it was a top 10 issue. Not a top three, it was top 10, and he happened to be from the Ukraine. But our leaders in D.C. I still don't know what Zelensky was doing at one of your rallies. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, arms for the, you know, not so poor. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's crazy, but... Our leadership will sit there, you know, Mitch McConnell will tell us it's the number one issue for Republicans across the country. And there I am on live TV doing a survey of 15,000 people and no one says it's even a top 10 issue. Not one. It's, uh, it doesn't matter. They, they keep going on. You, I mean, so this, this notion for war, oh, I'm a little worried about the new speaker of the house getting rolled by Mitch McConnell and telling him this and, you know, and honestly, and I'm sure, you know, Bibi Netanyahu had Mossad do a, you know, psychological profile on an evangelical Christian with, you know, and, you know, God is telling you that you must give us exactly $14.6 billion or 16.8, whatever the hell it was, you know, to fight. The, I'm like, can we just stay out of other people's wars? Like, I don't know, like, how about we secure our border, secure our shit? It's not like we don't have enough stuff that's failing miserably in our country. Let's take care of Americans first. It shouldn't be that novel a concept or that hard. And frankly, I don't know how a civilization ever uh, could sustain itself by you know putting themselves last in each and every occasion. And yet that's what the D.C. establishment class is doing daily. Well, I mean, you know, Washington, D.C., the United States of America should turn around to the world and say, listen, you had a good run from us. Um, but we're broke, we're tapped, 
Um, so what's going to happen here now is if you help us to run budget surpluses, if you trade with us fairly, um, if you stop being exploitative, if you stop starting these wars all over the place and trying to have us fund them, then we will have more money. And then maybe we will get to a position where we can help you out, right? Like out of just pure generosity and pure like. But at this point in time, I'm afraid we're tapped. And we're tapped because you guys can't stop bickering amongst yourselves, whether it's your whether it was your ethnic conflicts or your territorial conflicts or your religious conflicts, like that is not Uncle Sam's problem. And, you know, my heart goes out, of course, to the people who have to live in these war-torn areas. We don't even talk about what's going on in Armenia. We don't talk about the Nagorno-Karabakh. There are all sorts of places all around the world where these horrendous atrocities are taking place. And, 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 and as human beings, we can absolutely feel terrible about what's going on there. But let us not forget how the conflict with Ukraine began, that it was the European Union, that it was NATO, that it was my country, that it was your country, that were all pushing the troops and wanted to go right up to Russia's border with Ukraine. That is what they wanted to do. They still, to this day, are talking about uh, EU accession to the European Union. That is another surefire way to prolong the conflict. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, the dirty little truth about it is, they want the conflict to be prolonged because who gets rich during these conflicts the corrupt leaderships of all of these places the corrupt leaderships and the lobbyists here on capitol hill as well so it suits them just perfectly fine yeah well you know hey they can make an extra couple hundred grand it's not their kids that are going to go die in those wars it's ours you know it, it, it's right. uh, and it never stops but we, we are seeing some splits i mean obviously the the people in the republican party is super against this like like i said i've i've done 30,000 people live uh, a much larger poll test than any pollster out there uh, ukraine's not a top 10 issue if our leadership in dc if the new speaker of the house gives another blank check you know i i think you're going to have you know a disaster in the ranks but you also see splits on the other side you know you we, you know, is the pro-Hamas wing of the Democrat Party going to refuse to turn out for a Joe Biden this year? Because, you know, he's actually not going along with what they want. It seems like the younger Democrats are actually splitting very much with party leadership. You know, how does all of this play out? So if you, um, and by the way, you said, uh, you said I was ahead of the curve with that book. I, I'm still waiting for the time in my life where anybody accuses me of ever having been behind the curve on anything, right? But, but on this question... It's incredibly difficult because if you add all the variables, if you put them all into a supercomputer and said, run the election, run, run a simulation, um, the supercomputer would explode and say, I have no earthly idea. Because, you know, you talk about bat stuff, right? And that's a significant chunk of people, especially in cities. Um, but who knows whether or not it flips, you know, any, any states. Uh, you also have the, the uh, frankly, liberal Jews who are now coming to their senses seeing what's going on. You have black and Hispanics starting to realize that they were better off under Trump and they'd be better off under Trump again. Um, you have uh, the RFK factor, which I am convinced is a psyop and, and, and designed One, to 100 percent. I mean, you know, now magically he's like conservative. Yeah. I knew this like eight months ago, nine months ago, before he announced, before anything. And, it, you know, it, it was just getting into my feed, whether it was Twitter, whether it was Instagram, not through people I follow that were like, oh, this is interesting. It was like just they were jamming it down my throat. Now, I, I think if people and you know, this is a big if, right, this is a big if. But if people actually look to literally anything he said, and I don't mean over the last 30 years, I mean, over like the last four years, uh, you know, other than being anti-vax, he's 
a super hardcore liberal on borders, on farming, on the environment, on guns, on everything. And yet, you know, if you didn't know any better based on the social media algorithms, you know, he was, uh, you know, the second coming of Reagan. And I'm like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It was so obviously a psyop. Uh, you know, I know they're, you know, I, I said it the other day, like, well, no, the Democrats didn't let him run in his primary. It's like, no, no, no. If they didn't want him in there, they'd figure out a way, way to make sure that he'd never be able to run as an independent. They'd lawfare the hell out of this. I mean, this to me is the biggest psyop being perpetrated uh, on us, uh, it, you know, since COVID. And he's polling higher than Ross Perot was polling at this point in the election um, that was that was you know designed as well back then to hand the keys of the White House to the left. So yeah. they've got and, and by the way, those are just the big ticket items. You then want to get into all of the shenanigans that are going to go on at the ballot boxes, the shenanigans that are yeah. going to go on with the machines. You're going to have you're going to have pipes exploding and gas leaks and all of this. Yeah, stuff we call again. it the they margin of fraud, Raheem. The margin of fraud, and it's not insignificant. No, no, it's massive. And and I said I said about a year ago, I was like, look, they're not going to just do one thing at this election yeah. to, to try and swing it. This is for them. This is everything. Because, look, they they have the White House right now. But at the same time, everybody's starting to learn about uh, Hunter Biden and James Biden. And the subpoenas are coming now. You know, thanks to Matt Gates getting McCarthy out of the way. You finally have this situation where where things are getting done. And that's while they're in control. Can you imagine what their lives are going to be like? Can you imagine what we're going to discover if if you guys are back in there and 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 going going over all of this with a fine tooth comb? So they cannot afford to not use every trick in the book. This is this is not just about their you know, Joe Biden. He doesn't know he's alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> somebody said somebody. Um, but this is not just about him. This is a legacy. This is a dynasty, and I don't mean a familial dynasty. I mean a a philosophical dynasty. And if uh, if Trump gets back in the White House next time around, it crushes that for time immemorial. Yeah. Will Will Joe Biden be the nominee next year for the Democrats? Do you think? I mean, you, you see it, right? The, finally, we get the Hunter Biden subpoenas out last week, and you know, again, they'll stall it in this, and the FBI will be complicit, and everyone will come rushing to his defense, and they'll take it to the last minute, then they'll figure out what's wrong with it, they'll say the commas in the wrong spot, so we buy ourselves another two weeks, and they're going to play the clock. But, you know, well, you're in D.C., you have Democrat friends, you know, what are they saying behind the scenes? You see the hints, right? Some of the, you know, the CIA correspondent for The Washington Post, meaning the guy that they leak all this stuff to create the wars that they want, you know, I think it's time for Joe Biden to leave. It's like hint, 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 hint guys, hint, hint. Uh, you know, the deep state factions are, are in there in full force and effect. Uh, you know, trying to hint at it. I don't think they can go with Kamala Harris because I think the entire world has seen that, you know, uh, you know, I mean, even the Democrats saw it last time. She was, what, at 1%, but they chose her anyway because she checked some boxes. Uh, you know, they know it can't be there. What, what do you think happens there? What, what, what are you hearing behind the scenes? I've never heard it being called check some boxes before, but that's a very nice way of putting it. I, um, I um, think that the uh, 5%, I would say, of Democrats in the, that I know in this town uh, this time last year said that they didn't think Joe Biden should be the candidate. But uh, I would say it's now about 40%, 4-0. And that has been a massive change, a massive swing. And I think they have, they are at the end of their tether with this guy, with his family, with his you know, five decades of, of corruption, uh, with his inability to, to you know stay awake past noon 
uh, on an average day. And there was a benefit to them for that for a long time. Remember, you know, when, when Ron Klain was prime minister of the United States, um, and when they could run what they wanted through him effectively, it was great because there isn't a president overseeing all of this stuff. We can do what we want. And the lobbyists have more access. The consultants have more access. Journalists were making policy, frankly. Um, now it's come to the point where they think they might actually lose all of that power if Biden is the top of the ticket. And so I think more and more of them, and you'll see more and more of them coming out over the next couple of weeks, months to say, look, this has to stop. It, Kamala will tell you that it's her in that circumstance. She will... She will um, protest to high heaven that she must be uh, you know surely what the message it would send if you skipped over the vice president and and you know she will say it's because i'm this and that you know i can't remember is she black is she indian i don't know but but she'll make all these allegations that it's because of something like that and it's a woman and whatever and not that there is anything such as a woman but nevertheless and all the i cannot while, define I, it I, so you know, therefore it does not exist yes yeah yeah. And all the while, I happen to believe, you know, there's it's not a, it's not by chance that, you know, the governor of California is rugby tackling Chinese kids out in Beijing and, and you know, all these weird, weird little things that he's been doing. So, you know, there's going to be a battle for it. And I think I think the Democrat the Democrat, at least I wouldn't say the base. I don't know the Democrat base, to be honest with you. But at least the Democrats in this town, yeah, they're, they're done with him. They're done with him in a big way. So, yeah, because I, I wasn't sure, right? I, like, to your point, you know, if it's 40%, that actually shocks me in the sense that it's this, right? Joe Biden's actually doing all of the things that Obama would have wanted to do, but Obama was smart enough to preserve his legacy. You know, they'll stick something in front of Joe Biden. He can't read it. He doesn't know what time it is. He doesn't, you know, getting out of bed is a, a miracle. Finding his way off a, a stage, you know, as I guess as Shane Gillis, I talked about in my speech the other day, you know, called him a Roomba. You know, he doesn't know where he's going. It, it, yeah, I, I sort one. of figured there'd be a lot of Democrats that are actually fairly satisfied with Joe Biden because he's able to implement. And again, they're not Democrats anymore, right? They're radical Marxist communists. And we have to start calling them that. This, this notion that, oh, it's the Democrat Party, like John F. Kennedy. Like, no, no, no. These people are radical fucking sociopaths at this point. And he'll sign whatever the radical puppet masters will put in front of him. So I wasn't sure if they're just like, you know what, fine. He's going to have a disastrous legacy. He'll go down as the worst president in the United States history. But like, we're getting everything that we wanted. And therefore, they're, you know, sort of there's a tacit acceptance uh, of Joe Biden. And as long as you keep doing that and we keep putting our radical shit in front of the American people and he keeps signing off on it, uh, that may be the win for them. Well, you know the thing about Roombas, right? <laughs> they got to go get charged. They suck. <laughs> they suck. <Okay. laughs> it, yeah, so I, I just, I, I don't know. I figured like there's a component that they may be like, no, he's the greatest president ever because we are doing all of the things that will be so destructive to the fundamental fabric of America, to our beliefs, to all of this. And you know what? If, you know, if, there, if Obama could be doing what Joe Biden is doing, he'd probably be doing it. If he could get away with it and it would make him a hero instead of a zero. But... It's, it's also the problem, though, right, because because people have got wise to it and they know people have got wise to it. Firstly, they never thought that, that, that Trump would go up in the polls, you know, on the back of the indictments and all that stuff. They never believed that for a second. Um, they thought maybe the base would like harden around it, but they never thought the base would expand as a result of this. And of course it has. Um, but then the other part of it is, is I don't think they ever perceived a situation where in November 
uh, a year out from the election, you would have uh, Trump polling ahead of Biden in, in every critical swing state. And that's what we have today. Yeah. Right. So so all of by the way, all of the other, uh, you know, munchkins who were on that stage in, in Miami the other night, you know, LARPing, quite frankly, um, amongst each other. All of them said at the beginning of this whole thing, like, oh, you know, Trump's unelectable. Everybody hates him now. Like, you can't take him out to the country. He's not going to be able to do this stuff anymore. DeSantis, oh, he can beat Biden. And what is every data point showing us at the moment? And these are left-wing polls, and these are middle-of-the-ground polls, and these are right-wing polls, and they're all showing the same thing at the moment. And that is that there is only one person who can consistently, consistently outpoll Biden in all the critical swing states, and that's Donald Trump. Yeah, well, you know, that doesn't matter because, you know, there's a couple of D.C. swamp creatures that are consultants and there's $50 million left in Ron's super PAC. And Nikki Haley became the darling when they realized, you know, that maybe Republicans would see through the high heels and uh, you know, flip flopping for billionaires and everything like that. Uh, but there's a lot of money still to be made for those consultants. You know, they're going to pocket 70 percent of all the money spent on every ad buy and they're going to make sure that they spend every last cent, even if that means we're not using it towards you know, fighting Joe Biden, et cetera. But let, let's talk about that. I mean, you, we're talking to the debate. Uh, you know, what do you think, uh, what do you, what's your position on RNC leadership right now? You know, they, I know they announced, you know, a fourth debate. Like, I, you know, like at this point, it's like, I don't even think it's a VP debate. I think, you know, it's like maybe dog catcher. I don't know that anyone, you know, uh, is, is anyone taking that even seriously? But they're announcing a fourth debate. But so what's your position on RNC leadership uh, what are they getting right? What are they getting wrong? Are they getting anything right? Are they getting what? Where are you with that? Um, so my position is that on the thirtieth uh, of January in Las Vegas to the third of February, there is the RNC Winter Meeting. I just had to make sure I got my dates right here. I have it in my calendar, um, and it is the probably the only point in time now before the election that Ronald McDaniel can be forced to stand down from her position and that somebody can be chosen from amongst the RNC uh, committee members uh, at that meeting. That would be the, the proper sort of con convention atmosphere uh, and, and, and the right mechanisms by which to do it. And I think at this point in time, you do have to do it. And, and, there's, and there's one big reason and lots of little reasons. Lots of little reasons we've seen over the past several years. The, the, the fracturing of the framework spending of money in the wrong places, uh, the elevation of the wrong people to the wrong jobs. You know, all of this has come under Ronna's uh, uh, stewardship. And listen, I don't know Ronna McDaniel. I don't dislike Ronna McDaniel. This is, I am just trying to look at this objectively and statistically. The big reason you have to take action when something like this happens is look what happened electorally just last week in the United States of America. You know, against the backdrop of soaring inflation, against the backdrop of, of, of you know, crisis all around the world but not crisis that has just magically appeared but crisis at the state department's hand crisis at the hands of the globalists and the neoconservatives um against the backdrop of an open border on the southern border the, the scale of which by the way is unbelievable people cannot just cannot even conceive of the numbers we're talking about here well against all of that as a backdrop and so much more the Republicans still managed to miss so many of those opportunities to get rid of top Democrats. I mean, that is shameful to to an extent to which 
heads have to roll. And one of those heads is the head of the RNC. And another, quite frankly, is the head of the Republican Governors Association. And who is that? Oh, that's Kim Reynolds, who's prancing around Iowa with Ron DeSantis instead of doing her job as the president of the Republican Governors Association and making sure that resources go to the right places. We will have a story up about that in the next couple of days that people are going to want to pay attention to because it looks like one of the most crooked and corrupt uses of RGA, that's donor, grassroots donor money, that's business money that goes into the RGA and where she has transferred that to under her tenure. I mean, it won't take a genius for somebody to guess at what we're going to reveal, but we have the receipts around things like that. And those heads need to roll. The leadership in these institutions is rotten to the core. Leadership at the NRSC, uh, the leadership at the NRCC, all of these things have to change or you're just going to continue losing these elections. Well, I look forward to reading the National Pulse on that one because it is, a, I mean, these are the things that have to come to light. And you, you see, you know, talking about governors, you know, Ron DeSantis was uh, elected governor of Florida. About a week later, he started what yeah. was a, you know, a perpetual book tour. Uh, which turned into a, a campaign. And I don't know who's actually running Florida right now, but he's not here often. He's, you know, he's, he's I guess, I guess for the most part, he's in Iowa because he's trying, you know, to desperately overperform, you know, by a point or two somewhere so they can justify, you know, losing by 30 points and say, no, 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 it was a great overperform. He should be president. But, you know, what, what do people in these states do? I mean, you know, is he going to prorate his salary and give it back to the people of Florida for the amount of time he's not governing Florida? And, and not involved. I mean, he has, I guess, till December 12th to remove his name from the Florida primary ballot. Uh, is he going to drop out or is, do you think, is he going to do what, what I think, which is be pressured by him, his consultants to stay in, uh, suffer an embarrassing loss, probably really uh, affect uh, his political future, lose his home state by 30 points uh, so that a couple of guys in his political inner circle can get rich selling you know, a, a commercial that's, you know, falling on deaf ears, clearly, based on any polling we've seen. So the, the, the DeSantis situation is not necessarily just a situation where they think they can exploit this election cycle to, to make some money for him, for his network, et cetera, et cetera. They are playing the long game with this. They intend to use Ron DeSantis as a, a cash cow, let's say, for the foreseeable future and not just running for office. I mean, they're going to do the same with Casey, by the way. It's no surprise that this Florida University poll comes out. Casey DeSantis is, is in first to be the next Florida governor, right? And, oh, who gave them $30 million? Who gave that university $30 million just a couple of months ago? Oh, that would be Governor Ron DeSantis. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, I mean, I, I, said, I, said, I said cash cow, right? Um, I don't like to think of Ron with others being milked, but he is a, he, he not, is a at least now. not since Ozempic. Oh, right. But it's coming back. He's, yeah. it's, we could, the, the weight is coming back on. You can see it. Yeah, I saw um, that quote but, from someone on the Trump team, basically, you know, this isn't over until Ron's fat again. Uh, and I thought that was that way, was sort of salting the earth. I was like, that was one of the greatest quotes in the world. It was it was amazing and, and not wrong. And he's halfway there. But but. You know, Jeff Rowe and, and Ron's cadre, and it's like Adam Laxall and Christina Pushaw and all of these guys, they know that they have to, have to use this opportunity, drag it out as long as possible, you know, try and make some kind of names for themselves. I mean, some of them will go on to be CNN contributors, of course. Yeah. Some of them will go on to, to MSNBC and whatever. 
over. And some of them will just want to disappear because some of them may still have a sense of shame about what they've been part of for the last year. I mean, I don't know the Steve Dace character in person, but but you know, this is somebody who 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 professes, you know, so fervently. Uh, that he is a, 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 you know, the, he he will rate your Christianity for you, right? Like he's the yeah. decider as to whether or not you're a good Christian. And meanwhile, the guy's like 400 pounds. And I think the Bible had something to say about gluttony. I'm not sure. But here's what this is. This or is sloth, depending on which one you want to go with. But yes, they, that, that right. feels like a double whammy. They are phonies, they're fakes, they're fraudsters. And so all they're going to do now is filch as much as possible out of Ron DeSantis's uh, orbit. And, you know, good luck to them, quite frankly, because he deserves everyone that's around him right now. So do you think, you know, we talked about sort of, you know, the, the tricks that would be up the Democrats sleeve. Do you expect any sort of tricks to try to steal the nomination from my father at the Republican convention next summer? I mean, you know, I remember that one uh, pretty vividly in, in 2016, you know, sent... Uh, Hell, Senator Mike Lee, who's actually become like super based and actually uh, you know, a pretty good friend, like him and I almost got in a fist fight on the floor of the RNC. Uh, you know, that was a that was going to be the firewall, and they were going to do their, you know their their thing. And you know, he since sort of gets it, came around, and like he's he's someone I text with all the time, great guy. Uh, but you know, it was different then. What, what do you see? Uh, if anything happening from the Republican side in terms of the the tricks and trades of the of uh, political craft. You know, you are you are so your father's son. It's amazing. Like, you know, I almost sucked him in the face. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm dead. Like it was literally like people were bawling us back because he was trying to do the, you know, the thing for Ted Cruz. And I get it. They were buddies and all that stuff. And, you know, and listen, if you're, you know, sort of, you know, evangelical Christian in 60, I could understand, you know, maybe, hey, this Donald Trump, really? Like he's going to, you know, but I think he delivered on all the things he said he was going to do. So it sort of once you saw that, oh, wait, it, it, he's actually doing those things. You know, there was a revamp and I'm a I'm a big enough man to put, you know, sort of the bygones and have them be bygones and, and move on for what's best with the party. And uh, he was as well. And, you know, like I said, I think, you know, these days you know, he'd be one of the few people in the United States Senate that I'm like, OK, that's that's pretty great. I like it. Like, I, you know, one of the few based senators, you know, that no one's going to probably compete with J.D. Vance. I mean, that guy's, uh, you know, awesome. I think Tommy Tuberville is taking on some fights and holding his ground. And, you know, that, that's amazing. And after that, the list dies off pretty quickly. So I'm happy Happy to give credit where credit is due, especially in a place where, uh, you know, the the wants and the will of the Republican electorate are not really being represented a lot. Yeah, I know mean, it's fair enough. I, I, you are a more forgiving person than I am because I would, I would have socked him in the face then, and I'd probably still be socking him in the face for for having tried that. But, but there will, there will be, there will be mechanisms that they will try to deploy. The Minnesota case, however, uh, where they threw out this the silly notion that, that that you know Trump can be kept off the ballot because of the um, because of the insurrection charge and being an officer of the United States or whatever. And the funny thing about that is, by the way, the Supreme Court has already ruled on that. Yeah. Like they, they. I forget what year it was now, but it wasn't even that long ago where they ruled the president of the United States. No elected person in the United States is an officer of the United States. That's not what the phrase means. And so, you know, all this time and money is being spent on these court cases around the country right now trying to trying to finagle, you know, because that one, by the way, people need to know it wasn't about keeping him off the ballot at the election. That was about keeping him off the primary ballot. So yeah. once the primary is over, they're going to go back to the court again and try and adjudicate the same case again. 
So, you know, this is what your judicial system is being used for. This is, you know, criminals, illegals, like all of these court cases that should be being heard immediately. No, we're going to put that all, all on pause because some Soros-funded group wants to uh, figure out whether or not they can keep Trump off the ballot. And they'll do it at the Republican National Convention too. But I have to say, I am very much looking forward to that to that event and that time because I think uh, the the party will finally come back together, right? There, there has been a small number of you know, maybe one in five, 20% out there who are just haters at the moment. They're jealous, they're angry, they're bitter. Their guy sucks. He wears high heels. Um, you know, he gets belittled by um, Nikki Haley. And, you know, it's all, it's all very pathetic. But I'm looking forward to the point in time where actually at least most of those people, most of them, there yeah. will be nut no, jobs all, yeah. out there. And to hell with them anyway. Um, now I sound like Steve Dace. But, um, but it, it will be a, a moment of unity, mostly unity, uh, that I think we are all going to appreciate a lot. No, I think that'll be good. But talk, you know, obviously you're out there doing sort of uh, independent journalism, getting out of the mainstream. You're doing that at the National Pulse, uh, breaking real stories, uh, covering real articles. And it feels like establishment media, even like conservative, you know, established media, Fox News, which was, you know, a dominant force for decades, is really losing their relevance. Uh, uh, you know, am I off base in saying that? Maybe, you know, perhaps I'm just bitter because they haven't had me on in 16 months because I'll say stuff like that or I'll call them out when they're full of shit or I'll, I'll call them out when, you know, they're, they're fluffing Ron DeSantis for two years trying to, you know, will someone into power that they can, you know, control and, and wield, uh, you know, their billionaire powers. But, you know, am I right to think this? What do you, what do you see, you know, on the ground? just 16 months you're a relative newbie compared with some of us who have been bad for years now because of that um flaming thunder cunt arena briganti but the less said about that perhaps the better um yeah i knew you I, had to get it in there raheem i knew you had to get the c where you know listen <laughs> as as we've discussed this it is not cursing folks it is simply it's punctuation uh, there was a, you were the one that sent me that article. There was something about, you know, actually the intelligence of, is, of people who curse effectively is actually significantly higher. So I think I must be a fucking genius because, uh, we, we, we use it rather judicially on this show and I get, you know, I'm like, no, 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 guys, like we're, if, if you're still worried about language, given the battles that we have to fight daily, given the stuff that we are thrown, it, you know, the insurmountable seemingly at times obstacles. It's like, if we're still worried about that, we're going to lose. Like, we got to move on from this and just fucking win. Yeah. And also, you're from New York. I'm from London. Uh, if, if, if people want to go back to, like, Mitt Romney, they're more than welcome to. Just let me know how that works out, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. It's not even cultural appropriation for us. This is how we were raised. It's just normal. <laughs> right. Um, but no, the, 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 look, I, I actually have a, a little bit of a, a beef with the, the conservative base on the media point. So for some reason, uh, a lot of people are still turning on Fox out of habit, right? In, in the evenings, they go home and they put the television on. They just mindlessly have that on in the background. Um, we, we don't cut the cord uh, as much as we should be with all of these cable providers because it's not just enough to not watch Fox because they still get the carriage fees, uh, as yeah. does every other news broadcast. From, from if you just even have a cable subscription, you are giving them money, yeah. right? Um, and then the other part of it is... Look, there are, there are websites, uh, broadcasters, and all this stuff that are really trying hard to, to 
build up and fill that void. And I happen to run one of them. So I know I know of, of which I'm speaking. Um, and we have we, we have thousands upon thousands of members who come to the National Pulse who sign up and you get all sorts of things for signing up. But it's not at the scale where we would be able to take on like a CNN or take on yeah. like a Fox News or, or, or things like that. And I just think if, if people aren't willing, and listen, I get it, by the way, the economy sucks right now. A lot of people don't even have that money to part with to do those yeah. sorts of things. I get that totally. But for the people who do, for the people who are able to and don't, it is a major disservice to not just the people who are out there taking the punches for you every day, like the likes of us, right? Yeah. The people who are doing the investigative journalism every day, the people who are, you know, spending their time digging into things. I mean, I'm not popular here in Washington, D.C. It's a miserable life, but the country wants me here. Ordinary people want me here because of what I do and the lights that we shine all around this place. So, so the, the beef with that is, yes, you know, we do well, right? We do well, our stories have impact and whatever, but we could be, we, I mean, we could genuinely take down an entity like the Washington Post if, let's say, you know, 100,000 people chose to join, you know, over the course of the next uh, several months. It would, it would be, I mean, it would be game changing. You could hire a staff of 50, you could yeah. have a fully, st uh, you know, newsroom, and you could actually do the types of investigative reporting, uh, real hard hitting journalism. Uh, that these guys have been failing to do for decades now. So the ball is in the ball is in the court of the people who 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 want it. And if you want it enough, you go out and you support those. And it's not just us, right? You can take your pick. There's a lot of people out there trying to do this right now. We just happen to be the best. Um, yeah. Well, no, but it, it's true. I mean, I, it's it's why you know why I do stuff with like Public Square. It's not even just journalism. It's it's the way we shop, right? We you know you can give your money to right. someone who shares your values, or you can give it to someone who's going to take your money and literally fund you know the people who'd put you in the gulags. Uh, you know that I mean when I, when uh, Michael Seifer, the CEO of Public Square, came to me, wait, you're linking people who literally will sign off onto like our basic American values, and like we'll try to find other Americans that want to support. Yeah, yeah, put that. Put that little small business, put their kid through hockey practice rather than giving it to Amazon or some major conglomerate that's donating to Planned Parenthood and, you know, trying to, you know, and trying to, you know, uh, Newtown and every town, all these things are against your Second Amendment. I mean, it's across the board. Uh, you know, the the mainstream, even conservative media is sort of like the uni party in D.C. It's like, you know, they'll take it a little bit far. They'll give you a taste of what you want to hear, but they won't they won't take the kill shot ever because it's like, you know, that's just, you know, they still want to be invited to the cool person Christmas party in Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, I, I've seen that time and time again. I've seen that when, hey, Don, uh, we'd, we'd like to have you. And I won't say which, you know, guest, but I want you to talk about your father's indictment the day he was indicted. I, OK, well, yeah, sure. Send the van. I'll go do an interview on Fox. And, you know, five minutes before. Hey, man, dude, van's not here. Like, I know I'm going on the air in like four minutes. What's going on? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We found someone better to talk about your father, your family and the indictment from 25 minutes ago. I'm like. No, you didn't. You found, you know, I, and there are others and there. I'm friends with some of the people who are, you know, some of the, you know, the hosts on these shows and they'll still be like, no, 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 you're, you're good for you know, Sunday or Monday or two. You know, it's like, do me a favor. Uh, call me back in about an hour after you speak to corporate and let me know uh, if that still stands. No, you're fine. I have total clearance to do whatever I want. Hour later. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's not, I can totally do it, but there's a conflict in time and you know, that we'll call you, you know, it's like, come on, I was on five days a week, you know, for <laughs> the last seven years. Like I, I'm not a moron. Like it, it, this is not, it's not rocket science. This is what's happening. 
uh, you know, they're, like, they're the uni party, right? It's like they can be just conservative enough, tell you what you want to hear, but they're never going to go all in. And so uh, I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, I, I really want to see the National Pulse story on the RGA. That's the Republican Governors Association for those who don't know, because I'll be curious to see if the money's really going to help, you know, I don't know, win elections for governors. I have a feeling, Raheem, if you're doing the article, the answer is probably going to be no, but I'd like to see where it is actually going and how bad the grift is, because I also imagine that's rather significant. Now, well, now you're ahead of the curve. Um, that, that, that is absolutely correct. And just to come back to, uh, uh, and the particulars of the story are always really interesting, and that's what we're going over right now. Um, the... Um, Back to the media point for just a second as well, because I, you know, I listen. I have got a lot of frustrations. I used to grow up like watching Fox News from from the United Kingdom and think, "Wow, I wish we had something like that over there." And then coming here and watching it and how it actually is wildly out of touch with with the conservative base that it professes to editorially at least respect. Um, it does no such thing. And the thing is about where people get their news, I. I will not read an outlet, I will not consume from an outlet that I don't think respects me as a reader. And there are lots of ways to show that respect, right? First thing, you don't lie to your audience. That would be a very good way of, of, of starting. Yeah. Secondly, you, you know, your editorial content is geared towards their interests and their concerns. And it feels like every time I turn on Fox News, especially, it's screaming at me about something that I just don't care about, but they care about, and their lobbyist friends care about, and the host's friends care about, so on and so forth. We must fund Ukraine. I mean, how can you not as an American? Right. I mean, you know, right. why, why on earth right. would you want to spend, you know, three billion on your border when you could spend 150 to buy Zelensky his 12th home? And, you know, it's uh, it's well, amazing. I, I won't name any names, but but that day after the first speaker vote, um, I think it was the, the, the Jim Jordan vote or maybe it was the Steve Scalise vote. And I turned on uh, the television. I was at a friend's house. I turned on the television and, and Fox is on. I was like, all right, well, let me see what these guys have to say about this. Turn the volume up, and everyone on the panel is is shrieking. They're sh well, it gives away which show it is now, but they're shrieking, and they are talking about uh, Matt Gates being a pedophile and a you know rapist, and like implying all of these god awful things. And you just think that is the level of which at which Fox is operating, that because their buddy McCarthy got rolled, um, they have to make uh, cast aspersions onto the person who managed to do it. Well, listen, I don't know how Mike Johnson is going to work out. He certainly looks a little bit more close to what I would imagine an America first speaker looks like than Kevin McCarthy ever did. Although uh, I'm worried with what time. I'm seeing on the Ukraine stuff right now. You know, again, well, you, 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 see, know, you, you see Mitch going in there and all of a sudden they're taking the selfie and I'm saying, oh man, he's getting rolled. You know, Bibi Netanyahu, like I said, uh, is, is catering to his evangelical, God wants you to give us $16 billion or 14.6 or whatever it is. You know, I, I literally, I see that playing out. And you know, a guy that may be great, may look good on paper, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine the intelligence that he's being given that's going to drive his decision-making process is anything closely resembling intelligence, but it far more likely resembles very serious propaganda designed to give the swamp a win. And, you know, if we've been watching closely, this seems like the swamp always wins. Well, you know, I think that's that's the way they want us to think a lot of the time as well. I, you know, we were told back in 2016, don't bother, right? Don't bother fighting the Brexit referendum. They're going to beat you anyway. You're going to be humiliated. You're not going to be able to do anything else with your life. Everybody's going to remember you for failing at that. 
Um, you know, don't bother. <laughs> Listen, I, the, the, the number of people and the names of the people I could tell you, and I won't because I'm going to be kind to them, right? Um, who who thought I was a just fucking moron for supporting Trump. Right? I saw him speak at the Vegas Freedom Fest in 2015 for the first time. I was sitting at the back of the room and that was it for me, right? Yeah. Like I, and I was the editor of Breitbart London. Breitbart's editorial position back then was Ted Cruz. They were for Cruz. Yeah. And I uh, just published like a pro-Trump piece on Breitbart London and it caused all hell inside the company, by the way. Like, oh, you can't do that. You know, you have to go through these things and all of that. And I just said, well, you know, ask forgiveness, not permission, right? Yeah. So we did that. And in England, especially, uh, people were saying to me, dude, you know, you've got to take that MAGA hat off. Like, you're embarrassing everyone. This is not going to go anywhere. Like, and I said, guys, shut the fuck up. Okay. Like, they told us this about Brexit. They told us we'd never get anywhere. They said this was a 3% issue out in the Tory shires for anybody that knows, you know, the, the English political uh, landscape. And, Look what happened. So I don't know. I think I think we have to wake up every day with 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 optimism and purpose. And I am more than ever convinced that that this right now, like these twelve months, yep. are probably the most critical moment in time for the next to, to set the stage for the next twenty years. Well, I, I'm with you on that one, one hundred percent, my friend. I I appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing everything coming out of the National Pulse. Let us know. Uh, and uh, I have a feeling we'll be talking about a lot of these things uh, again in the not too distant future. So, uh, guys, Raheem Kassam, check him out. Follow the National Pulse. Follow him on social. Uh, he talks shit at like let's call it a Trump level. Uh, you know, uh, you know, there's not many people that I would elevate to that comparable platform, but but he's one of them. So uh, check him out, Raheem. Always great to be with you, buddy. Okay, guys, that was awesome. Raheem's a good patriot, someone who really gets it. Check it out. Make sure you're also, if you're getting your podcasts on Spotify or otherwise, you can get triggered right there. You get it on Apple as well. So if you're driving, you want to catch up on other episodes, make sure you check it out. You can download it there. Just go to Triggered with me over on those podcasts. Check them out. Make sure you're liking, sharing, and subscribing. Guys, that's how we beat the algorithm. That's how we beat the insanity of what's going on right now. So like, share, subscribe, download the Rumble app so that you guys can see this and that other people get to see it. We're up against some serious entities billions and billions and sometimes trillions of dollars in big tech. Let's overwhelm them, but you guys need to be a part of that. And also make sure to go check out our incredible sponsors. Check out Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We got to support the companies that support us. You're going to have a cell phone in your pockets, folks. Okay. If you have the technology to watch or listen to a podcast, you have a cell phone. So do it with Patriot Mobile, where you're putting your values first with every call. They donate back to groups that fund and help support the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, our brave police and first responders. They give back to fighting the school board battles so that your children aren't indoctrinated with insanity. Okay, that's something you can get behind as opposed to, you know, woke big mobile who's funding, let's just say, the people who'd put you in the gulag. So for free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Okay, just like the show, patriotmobile.com slash triggered. You get free activation. It's fast and easy, and we have to vote with our wallets. That's one way to do it, patriotmobile.com dot com slash triggered. Also check out one of our newest sponsors, 
Constitution Wealth, the Patriot's Choice in Wealth Management. Guys, you don't want to be investing in ESG and having money managers that are picked and chosen because they check off some boxes in the DIE nonsense woke world. Invest with people who share your values, but don't stop investing, okay? Invest your retirement savings in businesses that aren't woke, in companies who share your patriotic beliefs. Now, more than ever, it's time to align your investments with your values. That means, again, reducing your investments in ESG and DEI and the other far-left madness that's out there. It means fighting the culture war with your dollars, helping build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots like you, not woke lunatics. At Constitution Wealth, you'll work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values. They'll help you and empower you to make financial decisions to protect your family without having to sacrifice your beliefs. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Don Jr. That's constitutionwealth.com slash D-O-N-J-R. Sign up for a free consultation today. Learn it, live it, love it, understand what you're doing, and make the decisions that are right for your family. Guys, thanks again. I'll see you on Thursday. Be well, and uh, again, like, share, subscribe, download. It's because of you guys that we can keep this going.